Welcome to the Startup Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Neill, and this is episode number 13. This week, I'm speaking with Morgan Brown of Full Stack Marketing. We discuss party-driven social proof, the massive impact of free orange peelers, and how protesting government legislation can boost your business. I'm really excited to have Morgan on, so let's get started. How's it going, Morgan? Good, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. So I wanted to kick things off and find out uh, how you got into marketing in the first place, and digital marketing, I guess it would be. Absolutely. Uh, so you have to go back a while, but I'll try to try to keep it short. Um, I was in uh, school at UC Santa Barbara during the first dot-com boom, and I was actually a zoology major. I was uh, studying to take the MCAT, and I got into planning events for my fraternity and basically asked people what it was that I was doing. I planned a really big softball tournament, got a bunch of people from all different schools, and uh, they said, that, oh, that's marketing. And I was a science major, so I had no idea about that. But I also have always been a tinkerer with computers. I had a Tandy TRS-80 in my bedroom since I was about eight years old. I always pulled apart radios and stuff like that in my basement growing up as a kid. So uh, with the dot-com boom coming and kind of this... Uh, passion for making events happen, bringing awareness to people and, and that type of thing. I uh, gave up on the MCAT, which is probably a good call for any future patients that might have been mine, and uh, went to work for a dot-com in Los Angeles uh, in 1999. And I started in operations and quickly got moved over into uh, marketing. And that dot-com sent me over to Germany to launch the German version of the product. I lived in Germany for a year and did everything from setting up servers to uh, managing our uh, product and all of that good thing, uh, all that type of stuff. And then uh, that kind of sent me on a 15-year internet marketing journey uh, that gets me to today. So I can tell you a lot more about everything in between, but that's how I got started. So one thing you mentioned before this call was, I think one of the stories was a sun-kissed story. You know, would that be probably your highlight of, uh, of your early days? Well, so I think my actual very first growth hack was, uh, was in college uh, at my fraternity. And essentially, it was a demonstration of the power of social proof. So we actually had this really big lot at UC Santa Barbara where we could have really big parties. Um, but the guys always put the bar kind of uh, in an obscured area, kind of out of the line of sight of anyone walking by the lot. So there was always a lot of space and always no one there. And I was really tired of, of having lame parties. And so I said, hey, you know, when you walk by a restaurant or a bar and you look in and you see no one in there, you just keep going. But everyone looks for the places with lots of people inside or lines out the door. So I said, why don't we move the bar near the door so that even if there's not a lot of people uh, in here, um, if you look in, it'll seem like there's a lot of people and then people will come in and, and join the party and then we'll have big parties. And so we moved the bar and uh, sure enough, we threw some amazing parties after that and people thought I was pretty smart. So I would say that that was my very first growth hack, but my first kind of professional growth hack would be would be the sun-kissed example uh, that you mentioned. And so I was working at a digital agency that uh, managed the sun-kissed website. And actually, we built the sun-kissed website. Uh, they didn't have one before we started working with them. That's how long ago this was. And they wanted to build their email list uh, because 
obviously permission marketing, Seth Godin was a very, very big. And so they said, how do we build our email list? And we were telling them all these different ways to do it. And I was in their offices when I was talking about this. And I noticed by the trash cans, these uh, sun-kissed citrus peelers, which are a little plastic uh, molded piece of plastic that you use to kind of peel an orange. I think they're like a half a cent to make or something like that. And they were getting rid of a bunch of them because they had a new model that they had designed. And I said, what are you going to do with all those citrus peelers? And they said, oh, we're going to throw them away because we have this new, new branding coming out and we have a new citrus peeler with a new branding. And I said, well, why don't you give those away for people that subscribe to your email address? And they said, well, sure, if you think it would work. So on the sunkiss.com website, we launched a little form and we asked people to take a quick survey and then opt in for the email address. And in exchange, we'd send you a citrus peeler. And we launched it on a Friday and I came in on Monday and checked the, the logs and we had over 50,000 people uh, had already subscribed to the email list. So we had to quickly take it down and uh, they were very happy and also out of citrus peelers. And that was kind of the first time that I realized that there's some different ways that you can go about acquiring users and doing marketing outside of kind of traditional paid channels. I mean, that sounds also like a very effective way to get rid of the peelers. Yeah, exactly. So they were happy on, happy on both fronts for sure. Um, and then when you figured out postage, they could do bulk mailing and the, the peelers were a sunk cost. So you're looking at, you know, 20 cents an email uh, or something along those lines. Um, and those emails had a really high value to them because they delivered recipes about um, using Sunkiss Citrus and other Sunkiss products and became a really effective channel for them. So it was a good, it was a good program for them over the long haul as well. Awesome. So let's jump into some of the more recent examples that you have. Uh, one of them that you mentioned uh, before was a Hello Bar. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Hello Bar was uh, designed and built by Digital Telepathy, which is a great design agency in San Diego. And they also make little products to help websites convert better. And most people are probably familiar with Hello Bar now. It's this ubiquitous uh, bar that sits across the top of a website with a call to action that you can customize and drive people to the conversions that you want. And uh, Hello Bar is now owned by Crazy Egg. But um, before, when we were trying to build some traction for it. Uh, the hardest part with any of these like software as service where it's a, a product that sits on your website is to get the code installed on the website. That's always a huge barrier uh, to actually making these, these businesses grow. And so with Hello Bar, we didn't have a lot of budget, um, but we were very scrappy. And uh, as we were working on distribution for Hello Bar, um, a big, the internet was in, in, up in arms over the SOPA and PIPA legislation. So this will give you a time frame for it. And at the time, lots of big sites like Wikipedia and Reddit had pledged to go dark um, over uh, the legislation um, in protest. And so we said, you know what, there are probably a lot of websites that would like to go dark, but for one reason or another, they can't because they are either, um, they don't know how, or it's too business critical, or they just can't actually get the website to shut down, but they might want to stand in solidarity with the people that are turning their websites off and, and really express their outrage over this legislation. And so we said, you know, Hello Bar actually is like a black armband that you could wear on your arm to show, you know, mourning or show support for a cause. So we said, why don't we make a special version of Hello Bar that lets websites say that they're against SOPA and PIPA without having to shut down? 
So we built a special version of it. It was super easy. It's just a different skin of the actual product um, with a customized call to action that went back to an information page about how to contact your uh, congressperson about SOPA, other ways that you could take action. And then, of course, you could put the hello bar on your site to kind of build this viral loop to to get the bar going. And so we built that and then I reached out to just a bunch of different influencers and gave it away. So I talked to the folks over at Boing Boing, Alexis Ohanian, you know, Laughing Squid, um, a bunch of different places and um, the bar started to show up. And as the bar started to show up on some of these sites, the viral loop kind of kicked off and suddenly we had over a million visits uh, in one week to Hello Bar, lots of bars being um, installed, and a normal visits to the Hello Bar site um, was in the tens of thousands for the same time period. So massive, massive spike in uh, interest, installs, and all that type of thing. And the pinnacle was kind of, uh, we, we saw inbound referring traffic um, to the Hello Bar site coming from the Radiohead uh, domain. And so we went over there and sure enough, Radiohead had put uh, the hello bar up on their site. Um, and so that was, that was kind of a big win. So uh, kind of the takeaway for us was that, hey, if there's a cause that, that people need uh, to get the word out, uh, word out about or want to participate in, sometimes it can be hard for them to update their actual website or their product. But if they could use something like the hello bar to do that very quickly, then it would be adopted and it would help drive this code on site goal that we had, uh, which would ultimately lead into uh, paying users uh, at some percentage because HelloBar is a, a freemium product at the time. So, and I can dive into more specifics about that, but that's the, that's the story at a high level. When you're talking about specifics, I'm just curious, uh, you know, in terms of how you actually went about doing this technically, or w w what do you mean by that? Oh, just that, uh, so, you know, we tested a, a few different designs. So we optimized the flow. We, we tested different um, hello bar designs and then um, took the one that was most popular. So we offered up three different designs and then took the one that was most popular and most viral and promoted it as the uh, preferred design to choose. Um, and then we actually, after the initial SOPA campaign, you know, Thereafter, there were other social causes and issues that came up. For example, there was a, um, obviously a terrible earthquake and tsunami in Japan, and we launched a hello bar that was focused on the Red Cross efforts, and people could donate right to the Red Cross, right through the, the hello bar and that type of thing. So it, it was kind of learning from this one-off event and then turning it into a growth lever that could be used um, at many, in many different ways. Okay, great. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you leveraged current news and helped uh, integrate your product into the latest news events. Yeah, I think the kids call it newsjacking these days, but yeah. Newsjacking. I like that. All right. I think the uh, people at Growth Hacker TV are doing something like that as well. Okay, so let's move on to the next thing. So you mentioned in the news and how you built a massive uh, content machine what exactly was going on there? Sure. So um, actually, it's Inman News. Um, it's I-N-M-A-N dot com. And they're a, they're a real estate news public, publication. Um, so it's a B2B news vertical. And I actually got hooked up uh, with them uh, because the owner of that company was an entrepreneur I worked with at a, at a previous uh, company. And anyway, they brought me in to help them grow traffic, grow revenue, and grow their events business. Um, but one of the properties that they have is a um, 
real estate agent success blog called Inman Next. Um, and that blog, uh, when I came in, was languishing at about 35,000 visits a month um, in September of last year. And uh, just uh, in August of this year, it cracked uh, 260,000 visits uh, per month. And we did that, <clears throat> we grew that by creating a really structured uh, content uh, generation and publication uh, engine uh, driven off of contributor articles. Uh, so Inman has a very respected name in that particular vertical, in that niche. And so we leveraged that name to uh, get folks to contribute, um, contribute content to the, to the site and um, really looked at the top performing articles in terms of the number of social shares that they got. We did a lot of analysis around the lengths of the post, um, the topics of the post, the author of the post, um, the images used in the post, and really optimized around the types of content that would be most shared. And uh, through the combination of lining up a lot of quality uh, contributors and then doing analysis around uh, how to make the content uh, as shareable as possible, we're able to really grow uh, the traffic and the value uh, to that property, which helped lift the overall news property 40% uh, year over year in terms of traffic. And, and next, the next blog was, was one, one key uh, component of that. And we did a couple of other little interesting things. Um, we did a lot of uh, real-time analysis of posts that were going kind of quote-unquote viral within that vertical uh, were being shared a lot on social. And when we noticed a particular post that lived on another site being shared a lot, we would reach out to that author and ask if we could syndicate their post back on uh, the Inman site. And that obviously gave them a ton more reach, a bunch of credibility to their message, uh, but then it also helped us because it had already proven to be highly viral and very resonant within the community already. And so uh, both sides won and, and we drove a lot of traffic that way as well. And you can see that model has been played out in other verticals. So Kissmetrics, uh, they obviously do a great job um, with something similar, uh, Marketo, also in the marketing technology space, does something similar as well. So it's just a, you know, everyone says do content marketing, but you do content and content doesn't always lead to growth. And the big challenge with content is how do you scale it? And so th this is just one very specific playbook and example of how you can actually leverage other people's uh, work where there's a good value exchange, but um, they're contributing the content, you have the platform, and uh, you're able to uh, grow really fast um, with that combination. Awesome. So do you think the vast majority of your guest posts, you reached out to people ahead of time or that you already you were just identifying existing posts that were succeeding and reaching out to them at that point? So the most, most were reaching out to people ahead of time because we wanted the original content. That was always our our preference. Um, it was more opportunistic on the posts that were going viral, um, but those would be really big wins. So the planned content, the data analysis of what works, the shaping, the titles, and, and all of that type of thing uh, led to the long-term sustainable growth. And then being opportunistic around articles that started to pick up steam within the vertical 
and uh, syndicating those gave us quick wins for a given week, you know, pop in traffic, and then some portion of those would subscribe and stay stay on so that it helped build that base. Um, but for the most part, it was the the pre-planning and the, the contributed content that was kind of the content engine. And then the, the viral posts were kind of the quick wins that uh, gave us extra lift. So if you were going to go back again and recreate this process, is there literally a straightforward you know, framework that you would apply? It sounds like guest posts is the overarching theme here. Yeah, I think there, I think there definitely is a playbook or a framework to it. The, I think the first thing is, one, figuring out exactly who you're trying to talk to and, and understand what types of content they're interesting, interested in. For example, Kissmetrics is an analytics company, but their blog talks all about marketing. Uh, it doesn't just talk about analytics. They realize that they need marketers and growth people to come into contact with their brand to then turn into potential customers down the line. So kind of figuring out the who, like who you are trying to reach and, and then the what, like what's most interesting to them. And there's lots of tools out there that you can use to figure that out ahead of time. Um, obviously tools like BuzzSumo are a great way to figure out content that has been shared a lot. Um, Iris Shore, uh, she's a, a blogger who's done a lot of research into how to reverse engineer uh, content that will go viral. So figuring out what the types of content are and then creating a value exchange for the people contributing it to, right? So you have to be able to give some t something back to the contributor, uh, whether it's credibility or additional traffic or something uh, that makes it worth their while. And then it's about consistently creating that content and then looking at the analytics um, so we did really deep dives around which, which articles, like which article tags get shared the most, which article lengths get shared the most, which, um, which authors get shared the most, which networks different authors get shared on, some skewed more to Twitter, others Facebook, and really using that to drive further contributed articles uh, was a really intentional process. So I think if you're just taking contributed articles where you're letting people kind of write whatever they want and it's under a general theme, you won't get the results that you would if you're able to identify the real levers that drive traction of those individual posts and then build that into the content creation process as you go forward. Okay, so we discussed Inman News, how you built this huge contribution machine Another content strategy you said you've been using is with Qualaroo. You mentioned the skyscraper technique and how that's had, you know, a lot of success for you guys. Can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, for those that don't know it, the skyscraper technique for content is this notion that lots of people are creating content that's pretty suboptimal. So there's no definitive resource for the type of content or the topic uh, that people are looking for. So one great example uh, from the marketing technology space is uh, Moz, uh, formerly SEO Moz, wrote The Beginner's Guide to SEO, which is a great online guide, very deep resource, uh, really rich content around a very specific topic. Neil Patel also knocks it out of the park with these with his advanced guide to content marketing and all of these other guides. And the basic idea is that 
lots of people will write about how to do SEO, but there's no one definitive source. But if you can create the definitive source online, you will stand out far and above all the other people writing about the same topic. You will accrue many more inbound links. Um, it will be the uh, source of record. People will refer to it over and over, and it will become this really lasting asset uh, as for your brand and for your user acquisition machine, as opposed to a blog post, which is very ephemeral and, and disappears, essentially gets lost on the internet for the most part over time. So looking at Qualaroo, Qualaroo is really great for conversion rate optimization. It's a key part of understanding customer or uh, web visitor intent and then optimizing around that intent. And so we saw a gap in terms of the conversion rate optimization information that was being presented online. And so we went for the skyscraper technique by launching the beginner's guide to conversion rate optimization. It's a 50,000 word guide. Um, it's all online. Um, and, uh, and we launched it and it's been a really successful program for us. Uh, it's been viewed over 40,000 times. When we launched, it went into SEO Moz's top 10 email of the week, which gave it an instant bump. It's uh, received thousands of downloads, uh, which has been, you know, all helped grow our um, email uh, database, which feeds into our webinars and, and kind of our marketing automation system. And it's also ranked number one or number two for the key conversion rate optimization keywords around the world. world. So if you Google conversion optimization, most likely uh, the beginner's guide is number one, number two, or number three for almost any combination that you come up with. And so if you look at at it, you know, we've generated a ton of inbound links, which helps our SEO. We have great ranking on really expensive keywords. So the keyword conversion optimization, if you buy it in AdWords, I looked the other night, it was $21.90 per click. So, you know, we've had 25,000 or 24,000 visits and change just to the, to the guide this year alone. You know, it's a high, highly niche uh, term. But if you take if if you had to pay for those twenty five thousand visits, you're looking at more than five hundred thousand dollars in AdWords spend, you know, and it cost us a you know less than a percent of that cost to actually write and produce this thing, and so it just has lots of lasting value. It it's a first touch point for our brand. It builds out our remarketing lists. It uh, leads to trials. It helps drive our webinar attendance, which leads into our marketing automation, and gives us you know a, a an entrenched hold in the search results for the terms that are that are key to our business. So um, it's it's definitely a technique that if you're using content marketing, if you're in the B two B space, you should definitely look at skyscraper technique as a way to make your content convert and pay off for you, as opposed to just cranking out blog posts over and over. So fifty thousand words. So that's a book basically. So you guys wrote the book on conversion rate optimization basically. Yes, and then published it online and gave it away for free. Yep. And is the whole book or the whole, you can call it an article. I'm just going to call it a book for the sake of this conversation. Is all of it broken out into separate articles or into one article? Or is it, here's the first part, now download the PDF? Or how is it? Yeah, so uh, it is um, in chapters. I think there's 16 chapters to it. Um, and each chapter... Uh, is a is a different um, HTML page, um, and we decided to publish the whole thing online uh, because for us we wanted 
that that search resource. We wanted to um, we wanted the traffic. We wanted to own that space in Google. There's lots of people that um, will create similar length guides uh, and and put them behind an email registration or a social share or that type of thing. Um, but we just let people download the PDF next to it. Um, and if they download it, then they're asked to give their email address. But for us, by having the search uh, ranking with all the content there and then um, being able to build our remarketing lists and that type of thing off of it, that was the choice that we made. But uh, I've seen it done done both ways. Uh, what's the alternative way? Uh, the alternative way would be to just make it available as a PDF and require an email to get access to it as opposed to publishing it as HTML that's open to anyone uh, via search. Although the vast majority of people end up downloading the PDF anyways, I'm sure. Yeah, a large, a large portion definitely end up, uh, end up downloading it. So, and you get their email for that? Yes, so we asked for their email for that. Uh, because obviously 50,000 words is hard to read you know, on a bunch of HTML pages. So many people read the first one or two chapters and uh, and then choose to download it uh, to read later. So who actually wrote that guide? Was it you and Sean? Yep, yep. So I drove uh, most of the, I, I mean, I wrote the whole thing. And then uh, Sean was kind of the advisor to the project, helped shape it. Uh, he and I worked through the topics, what we were going to talk about and all of that type of thing. And then I researched it, read a bunch of books for it, read everything online about it. It's, it's heavily sourced and cited. Uh, as well. Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Brian Dean, actually, no, 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 sorry. So Brian Dean has discussed the skyscraper uh, technique, but the guys over at Conversion Excel uh, discussed how they set a high bar for making sure that you can uh, reference examples of the information that's being used rather than just uh, offering opinions. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to point back to definitive sources one, it adds credibility. Two, it makes the guide that much more valuable. And, and three, it actually helps with some reciprocity and sharing because people that are referenced in the guide are, are also likely to share it as well. So it definitely helped when we launched it too. And so the retargeting, that, that's just being used in order to get the people to come back and download the, or install the actual plugin basically. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have yeah we have a couple of different retargeting campaigns running, um, but we think of the beginner's guide to conversion optimization as the very top of the funnel or the very first touch point. Um, Qualaroo is actually a pretty sophisticated uh, use case for conversion optimization. If you're doing uh, web visitor web visitor research, qualitative research, um, you're definitely beyond the quote unquote beginner. So. We use the beginner's guide as the very top of the funnel and then retarget back for invites to webinars to try the product for free. Uh, we also get a lot of existing customers who will reference it around a very specific topic. There's things in there such as questions to ask and that type of thing. And then we'll retarget those folks uh, as a re-engagement and uh, retention, retention uh, campaign as well. Okay, so today we discussed uh, your news jacking strategy with Hello Bar. We discussed the Inman news uh, contribution machine and uh, the skyscraper technique with Qualaroo. Uh, so this is all uh, excellent information. So yeah, I mean, I think that's actually all we have time for. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on. 
No problem, Nick. Thanks for having me. I really uh, enjoy the podcast. and It was great talking with you. Yeah, no problem. And how can people uh, get in touch with you? Sure. They can find me on Twitter at Morgan B or uh, my website, morganbrown.co. Excellent. Thanks again. Thanks, Nick. Listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week.